Hey guys, it's Wednesday, September 13th, 2017, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eisenlake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car questions, personal car stories, yada, yada, yada. Kind of continuing what we did uh, start on Monday, uh, the recaps of the Frankfurt Auto Show. Um, Missed yesterday, so today will be a a day two and day three recap. Uh, Day two, packing some new announcements. Day three, not a whole lot going on, so we'll kind of wrap up kind of what we saw come out of Frankfurt this year. Uh, So with all that in mind, guys, let's move on past the bump to the first story. So Porsche's big announcement for day two was the Porsche Cayenne Turbo, not to be confused with the Cayenne S, which has a twin turbocharged V6 making 440 horsepower. No, we've got a twin turbocharged V8 in the Cayenne Turbo uh, making 550 horsepower. And when equipped with the Sport Chrono Pack, the new Cayenne Turbo can rocket from 0 to 60 in 3.7 seconds. Now keep in mind that is a Porsche estimated figure. It very well means that uh, different automotive magazines and whomever else with all the other different ways you can test it can maybe make it go faster than that. And that is an insane number for a 5,000 pound SUV to pull off. Um, I don't know what kind of magic Porsche is running with the PDK gearboxes and these turbo setups, uh, both in the 911 and in the Cayenne. These things are some of the fastest cars, 0 to 60, outside of, you know, the multi-million dollar, you know, Bugatti Chiron or the uh, Ferrari LaFerrari or anything like that. So this Cayenne is going to sell here in the U.S. starting uh, either end of this year or early next year for $125,000 to start, which, of course, is already an outrageous sum of money. I think you're going to be hard-pressed once you add just a couple of options to this vehicle to get it for less than $150,000. But... Cayenne sell really well, and for those of us who are fans of Porsche, uh, who want cool 911s and GT4 Caymans and have a really good racing program uh, in the GTE class and all those other things, uh, we got to sell Cayenne SUVs and Macan SUVs in order to do this, and it seems fairly reasonable that uh, Porsche decided to jump up this high with this new SUV. Um, After all, the Macan Turbo which I think there's a Turbo S version. I get too confused with the different SUVs. There's too much going on there. Um, You know, I'm sure that that was eaten away at some of the performance figures that they wanted to have for the Cayenne, and um, in the same way that the Cayman eats away at the performance figures of the 911, especially with the new 718S, uh, you got to imagine that they wanted to give it a little bit more of a buffer ahead of the Macan uh, with the Turbo. So at $150,000 to get a big Porsche SUV that can fit the family, tow a boat, do whatever you got to do, but then can also set lap, lap records at your local racetrack. I mean, hey, do what you got to do, guys. Uh, this this is just bonkers. Um, so with all that in mind, guys, we will move on to the next story. So setting aside AMG's Formula One derived uh, vehicle they announced uh, earlier this week, the Project One Without a doubt, the coolest car I think that got announced at Frankfurt this year is the Honda Urban EV. Um, The Urban EV is a subcompact EV car that Honda plans to sell in Europe for uh, 2019. Um, It is a two-door compact hatchback, subcompact hatchback, that looks like it's going to do battle 
with a Fiat 500e, something along those lines, maybe like the Mini Cooper e, but even then the Mini Cooper e is probably a little bit larger than this. Um, the car itself is styled very similar to the vintage first generation Honda Civic, um, which those of you who remember was first sold in the United States at the, I think it was the early mid 1970s. It's got a very square uh, upfront uh, profile that's, uh, you know, flat front, flat window, flat sides, flat back. Um, you know, not the most aerodynamic vehicle uh, in the world, but if it's going to be running around urban city centers, it's got to make use of space. Uh, this one being a two-door, it looks like it has a bench seat across the front and a bench seat across the back, which is pretty interesting. Um, definitely be curious to know how easy it's going to be to move in and out of the back seat if that front bench is split and slides back and forth. Um, you know, the the car itself, uh, maybe this might be a better distinction for the styling. Uh, if you've ever seen the Honda N-Box from Japan, uh, their little K car that they sell there, this is larger than that. But that also looks kind of similar. And, you know, if you've looked at some of the Honda offerings in the K segment over in Japan over the past couple of years, they make some crazy cool vehicles over there that um, have special, like, styling schemes. Like, one has a... It's styled like an American diner, so it's got this, like, red... Uh, plastic, or not say plastic, but it's got like this red bezel that goes around the top of the car, like a like the countertop inside of a diner, and then it's got black and white checker seats, like the floor you'd see in a diner. Uh, it's really cool, like what Honda does with this thing. And this car, you know, it's got this appearance that it's slammed uh, down low. It's got these giant wheels on it, which you know fairly certain that the production vehicle won't look quite the same as that. Um, you know, stanced cars might not necessarily be the best idea in all city centers of Europe, but I'll be damned if this isn't one of the coolest things that I've seen. And it's so cool that Honda's like, yep, we're doing it. It's going to be production. It's going to be out in the next year or so. That's really neat. Of course, the disappointing part is that, at least here in the U.S., we're fairly likely not going to get it. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we won't, um, but if we did get it here in the U.S., it would probably be very different. Um, here in the U.S., of course, Honda does sell the Fit EV um, out on the West Coast. I believe it's just in California, Oregon, and Washington. I don't know if they do it on the East Coast at all. Um, but the Fit EV is known for being a fairly fun-to-drive, relatively affordable EV vehicle, and this would kind of eat that car's lunch. But then again we need a new fit fairly soon so who knows what'll happen um but damn like this thing's this thing's cool and so we just got to kind of hope that honda a decides to do it and b decides to sell it in the united states for a fair price um as ev sales keep uh increasing and the prices keep coming down on the vehicles it'll be interesting to see that if it did come here uh how much it would be uh the sweet spot definitely seems to be around the 23 thousand dollar mark uh, for these smaller ones so maybe Hana can get there if they decide to bring it over we'll see so next up a little bit of forbidden fruit once again from the frankfurt auto show audi announced the 2018 uh, rs4 avant from audi uh you know the Avant series of the RS line have not always come here. I believe we had the RS2 here in the U.S. for a very short time. But then following that, I don't think we got any of the RS wagons here in the U.S. Of course, Audi Avant means wagon um, in the same way that uh, touring over at BMW means wagon. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, this new one, of course, takes off from basically where the last one left off. It's got a uh, bi-turbo V6. Uh, 
the corporate issue one, it seems like here, uh, making 442 horsepower. It's uh, 0 to 60 times, right around 4 seconds, uh, probably a little bit quicker than that uh, in the hands of some auto journalists. Uh, top speed's 174 miles an hour. Uh, this new RS4 Avant's going to be a little bit lighter, uh, a little bit more fuel efficient, which is kind of weird that they uh, ad advertise that kind of situation. Um, but of course it comes in that beautiful blue color uh, that Audi just pulls off so well with all their vehicles. Uh, I definitely have to say, this is one of the most interesting Audis to come out in recent time. Uh, you know, I have said before on this podcast, I'm not a huge Audi fan myself, which is strange because I do like Volkswagen so much. Audis never really have cut the bread for me, uh, to say the least. Uh, the R8, the original R8 was a very interesting exception to that rule. Uh, same with the original uh, S5. There's some variations of the S and RS models that have kind of piqued my interest, but for the most part, they're just not my style. I'm much more of, at least in the German brands, uh, Mercedes tends to get my interest a little bit more than BMW and that a little bit more than Audi. Uh, but this new RS4 Avant just ticks all of the boxes in my book. It's got that trick all-wheel drive system. It's got an excellent power plant with that 2.9 liter twin turbo, excuse me, bi-turbo V6. Uh, that blue color is just oozing with just beauty and personality. Audi's really stepped up their game with infotainment and other things like that. Like this one, this one scratches the right itch. And, you know, again, once again, it's another RS Avant that we're never going to see here in the U.S. Does that mean that we're going to get an updated RS4? Probably not, because now we have the new RS5 here in the U.S. Um, they only tend to give the United States one RS at a time. And it's take it or leave it in a lot of instances. Um, but, you know, hey, it's fun to look across the Atlantic, see what they got in Germany and the UK and everywhere else, and dream about what it could be. And then we just got to wait 25 years so we can import it here. But Audi, they're doing a good job. So keep it up on the RS line. It seems to be working pretty well for you. All right, so a little bit less interesting than the Porsches and Audis at the show. Uh, Kia showed off a new subcompact SUV called the Stonic. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, the Stonic looks like it's going to be sharing its platform with the Hyundai Kona, which was announced earlier this year. Um, both of them kind of being uh, more sporty, uh, style-conscious uh, subcompact SUVs that are kind of slotting into that lineup where like the Honda HRV, Nissan Juke, um, Toyota HRC are sitting at. Uh, so the Kona kind of made a big splash with bright flashy colors, a really nicely uh, tarted up interior. The Stonic seems a little bit down that same path, but with the Kia exterior that you'd expect. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, Stinger GT front end, kind of blown up to SUV proportions. Uh, inside, it's a lot of that Kia goodness that you'd expect. Uh, their recent uh, acquisition of the former Audi designer um, and department head, I don't remember what his whole job title was, or his name at this point in time. I just remember it's a guy from Audi has come over to do the design uh, on the exterior and interior. And it's got a very like two generations ago Audi look, which is totally fine for a Kia, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's got those really great materials. It's got that really straightforward and elegant, maybe not so elegant, but uh, very Germanic layout that's very purposeful and has, you know, some meaning to where buttons are placed. Um, the Stonic, you know, say what you will about the Kona. The Kona might be a little too cartoony for some people, kind of leaning more towards the juke end of the spectrum. Uh, the Stonic looks like it's a little bit more in the HRV sense, where it's cute, but it's not 
too cute or too crazy or too alien spaceshipy. Um, this one, it's I don't know. I feel like it's fairly inevitable that it's going to come to the U.S. eventually. Uh, right now, Kia is saying that they have not made plans to bring it to the U.S., probably to make some space for the Kona to get a good foothold. But at the same time, the Stonic would kind of be sitting in the same spot that the Nero SUV, or quasi-SUV, the hybrid, and it would also kind of be sitting in the same spot as the uh, Soul but, you know, with the Soul not having all-wheel drive and the Stonic having all-wheel drive as an option, um, kind of would maybe eat the Soul's lunch a little bit. Um, Soul sales are bonkers here in the U.S. and in Canada, um, so it makes a lot of sense that they would want to protect those sales a little bit, especially since that's been such a golden goose egg. And if they're ever going to offer an all-wheel drive version of the Soul, which they've hinted at before, that would basically completely negate the need for the Stonic to exist here in the U.S. So, I don't know. How do you guys feel about these cartoony little subcompact SUVs? I'm interested to see if you guys have any favorites. Um, specifically, how do you feel about the Nissan Juke? I'm always curious to know. Uh, feel free to hit me up with a uh, line here on Anchor FM or on Twitter at YSSMAN. Thank you so much. All right, last story of the day out of Frankfurt is the new Ferrari Portofino, uh, which replaces the Ferrari California T, which replaced the Ferrari California, which has always served as the baseline entry-level Ferrari in their lineup over the past couple years. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, uh, the back in the day when the first California arrived, it was meant to be a Porsche 911 Chevrolet Corvette competitor uh, to get some of those people who really want a Ferrari but can't afford a 430 uh, kind of thing thing. Um, and it's kind of grown from there. Um, initial ones were heavy, a little bit outdated, uh, didn't handle so well, didn't really look that good. Um, later revisions, especially with the California T, um, gave it a proper twin turbo V8 uh, that really had a lot of boost and power. Um, they fixed the handling, they made it look good with the top up and down. Um, yeah, so the Portofino kind of continues where that transition left off. Uh, they're adapting some of the looks from the Ferrari 512 um, and all those other variations of it. Um, they're giving it the new kind of corporate look inside and out. Uh, that new twin turbo V8 got little updates as well. It's now a 591 horsepower twin turbo V8 uh, in that Ferrari Portofino, which is absurd that that's the baseline Ferrari power level now. Um, I don't even know if the 488, the 488's got to be around there somewhere. Um, just bonkers. Like, that's just crazy that that's the entry-level power plant now. Um, looks, you know, I like it. it. The front end looks much better. It looks more cohesive than the California T ever did. The interior layout, updated to current Ferrari standards, it looks good. It uh, looks quite functional. Uh, the top-down version, I think, still looks better than the top-up, but I think that's the case with a lot of roadsters that are out there these days. Um, overall, just a very successful update to the vehicle. But I think we kind of have to start asking a question again. Is the Portofino now going to be too much of a car for an entry-level Ferrari, and of course brings back all those questions that we've had for years and years and years about whether or not the Dino would ever come back. Um, I think it definitely would be worth looking into on Ferrari's behalf to do some kind of small mid-engined uh, sports car, especially if they took that twin-turbo V6 uh, out of the uh, Quadrifoglio, uh, the Alfa Romeo Quadrifoglio, which is based on the twin-turbo V6 that's in the Portofino, or excuse me, V8 that's in the Portofino. Um, 
could be a pretty interesting vehicle. I don't know. It's tough to say. It's The luxury sports car market is so weird in how they handle things, and it's constantly one-upsmanship between everybody. Um, you know, I, I think in my somewhat biased opinion, Porsche kind of runs the show with a lot of these kinds of things with all the various iterations of the 911 serving so many different clients. And then you got the 718 Cayman uh, kind of doing the same thing. You know, you get edges every once in a while from BMW and from Mercedes and, well, you can say from GM with the Camaro and the Corvette, um, even Ford with the Mustang. They all kind of bounce into this weird territory between one another, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Portofino does. Um, if it's anything like the California T that replaces, which it very much is, I think it's going to be a very good car. Uh, so looking forward to seeing more of it. So, all in all, a pretty Frankfurty Frankfurt Auto Show this year. Um, not a lot of huge surprises, maybe except for the uh, AMG uh, Concept One and that Honda Urban EV. Um, definitely be interested to hear from you guys. What were some of your favorite concepts? What were your favorite production announcements? Uh, you can always drop me a line here on Anchor FM or at Twitter at YSSMAN. Um, I will definitely stick to my guns and say that that Honda Urban EV is, mm, that's a cool car. I'm hoping, praying maybe, that Honda decides to bring it here to the U.S. Um, as far as other Frankfurt news goes, you know, there were some weird one-off concept announcements from Kia um, with a car that we'll never see in here in the U.S. Uh, it was the Proceed concept, a cool little hatchback thing, um, more of a shooting brake style thing. We'll see if it ever ends up coming to fruition for Europe. Um, there was also a Japanese thing called the Owl announced. It's a super lightweight uh electric EV sports car. Their aim is to make it the fastest accelerating EV sports car available to the market. Um, this car is so strangely built that they're building the chassis, the engine, and everything else um, that it's like super overbuilt, super powerful. It's only going to have like a hundred mile range on the sports car, but the body itself that they put on it is only going to weigh like 111 pounds. So that's kind of cool. Um, but other than that, not much else going on at Frankfurt this year. Um, Frankfurt, you know, a little bit more of like an engineering uh, kind of show, kind of showing off new vehicles, especially for Europe. Kind of rare that we get a lot of examples that are coming to the U.S. Um, we've still got other big shows coming up. The one I'm looking forward to most is uh, Los Angeles and Detroit. Uh, Los Angeles being in November, Detroit being in January. Uh, we usually get a lot of cool stuff out of there. So... Until then, next next time, guys, uh, I'll try to do a regular show later this week. Um, we'll talk about some other car culture things since there's a few things we can probably pick up from Frankfurt. Um, so with all that in mind, guys, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe I'll see you Friday. Um, but we'll see you sometime later this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good rest of your week. Drive safely.